0: Psalm 138 this morning, Psalm 138. I've shared with, uh, shared it yesterday in men's prayer, shared it in my Sunday school class that uh, this message, God really put it on my heart earlier this week. I, I struggled with whether to preach it here this morning when I started hearing about so many people that were going to be out of town and then when I'd hear about sicknesses and so forth and uh, just went back and forth, but the Lord made it, I believe, crystal clear that this is what he wanted me to preach this morning, so I'll just preach to those of you that are here. How's that sound? Amen. I'm glad that you're here, and I hope that you'll be glad that you are here when you leave this place here this morning as well. Let's stand as we read one verse, Psalm 138, and verse number two. The psalmist said, I will worship toward thy holy temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Read it out loud with me, that last phrase, thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. I want to preach this morning on the subject of the Bible is the book for me. And before we pray and ask the Lord to bless us, I want all of us, adults and children, I want you to join me in this children's chorus, and I want you to have your Bible in your hand, and we're going to sing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. When we get done with this one time, I want you to hold the Word of God up and just yell as loud as you can the Bible. Are you ready? Here we go. The B. <laughs> Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. All right, you can be seated. All right, our text makes it clear what God thinks of the Bible. He's magnified His Word. He's magnified the Bible above all His name. Now, listen to what Philippians 2, verse number 10 says. It says that at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess of things in heaven, of things in earth and things under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if God says that about the name of Jesus and then he says that he's magnified his word, above all his name, I would say that the Bible's pretty important, wouldn't you? Now, there are many admonitions in the Bible about the Bible. We are admonished to read it, memorize it, meditate it, desire it, eat it, talk about it, remember it. And the list goes on and on and on. Deuteronomy 6, verse number 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. In Joshua 1, verse number 8, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. David said in Psalm 1, verse number 1, Blessed is he that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The prophet Isaiah said, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord, and read... Psalm 119, verse number 9 and verse number 11. These are life verses for me. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How are you going to do it? He says, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And then, of course, verse number 11 is so important. We have it here at a focal point. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. I'd like to, first of all, give you some reasons for reading the Bible. Number one, it gives you faith. Romans 10, 13 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know what most of our problems are today? They're faith problems. The problems that you have in your relationships, in your marriage, with your children, children with parents, Problems that we have in our churches, problems that we have in our community, problems that we have in our country is because there just doesn't seem to be a lot of faith. There's a huge faith failure. Jesus said, when he comes back, he said, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? I'm telling you, what's going on in America today can be traced back to the fact that we have departed from and neglected the Bible, why should you read the Bible? Because it'll give you faith. Number two, the Bible will sanctify you. Jesus himself in John seventeen seventeen, said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This Bible here has a sanctifying, it has a cleansing effect. I appreciate what Brother Brett Williamson said yesterday in men's prayer meeting. He told the story about the the man who uh, wanted uh, his son to go and fill up a basket full of water. And the son looks at him and says, I, this basket's not going to hold water. He said, just go and do it. So the son goes, and I mean, he's just sitting under the spigot, and he's putting water in it. And of course, the basket's not filling up. He comes back, he said, I told you, this basket's... Not going to hold water. And the dad said, I know, son, but that basket sure is clean now, isn't it? Let me tell you something. That's the truth about this Bible. I've heard so many excuses. I've even used a few of them every now and then. Oh Well, I just don't read the Bible because I just don't understand it. You know, today, you know what people do? They either neglect it and they just don't read it. You know, you don't have to understand everything that you read. In fact, you don't even have to understand most of what you read. Just read it. It's powerful. It's going to have a sanctifying effect. Listen, I don't know what's in every every food that I eat. Now, when I'm dieting, I'm a little bit more conscious about how much protein and how much carbs and how much fat. And you can look on the label and see what the content of all that. You can look at the ingredients, but nine times out of ten, and especially when you go to a restaurant, you don't know what you're eating. Do you know what? You get hungry enough, you won't care what you eat. The Bible says the full soul, the full soul loatheth the honeycomb. And when you're all stuffed after like a Thanksgiving meal or maybe like you were yesterday, you're all stuffed and somebody offers you dessert. You're like a preacher Billy Kelly was invited over to someone's house after a Sunday morning preaching. And I mean, she brought out fried chicken and she brought out macaroni and cheese and she brought out biscuits and green beans and Fried corn. If you're if you don't know what fried corn is, then you're not from the south. And I mean, she's bringing out all of this. And so, uh, you know, she comes up and says, Brother Kelly, would you like some more? And he says, no, ma'am. He says, I'm I'm full up to my neck. And she said, Brother Kelly, we got banana pudding for dessert. He said, what do you think I saved my neck for? The full soul loatheth the honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. I've noticed when I'm on track with my diet and trying to eat healthy that just the little, the little simple thing just tastes so good that when I'm in the mode of eating everything, it wouldn't have even impressed my taste buds taste buds not even a little bit. Ephesians 5, 26, speaking about the relationship between Christ and the church and the relationship between the husband and the wife, he says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The Bible has a sanctifying effect on your life. Number three, it'll give you wisdom. Psalm 119, verse number 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple. Number four, it'll give you guidance. Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Not only that, but number five, the Bible will bring you a healthy self-awareness. I'm telling you what, people don't have a healthy self-awareness. I mean, most people think themselves to be something when they're nothing, as the scripture says. The Healthy self-awareness. Why do I think that? Why do I believe that? Because of Hebrews 4, verse number 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You read the Bible, and it will give you a much more accurate self-awareness. Number six, the Bible will build you up. Acts 20, verse number 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. That is just six of many things that we could show you that the Bible testifies of the Bible as to reasons why we should read the Bible. It gives you faith. It sanctifies you. It gives you wisdom. It gives you guidance. It gives you a healthy self-awareness, and it will build you up. You know what Paul told a young preacher by the name of Timothy? He said in 2 Timothy 3.15, he said, "'And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, "'which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, "'which is in Christ Jesus. "'All scripture is given by inspiration of God "'and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, "'for correction, for instruction in righteousness.'" Why? "'That the man of God may be perfect.'" truly furnished unto all good works i hope i've at least scratched the surface in making a point with you here this morning that there are many reasons valuable reasons why we should read the bible secondly this morning i want to talk to you about the exercise of bible reading would you take your bibles and go to first timothy chapter number 4 with me first timothy chapter number 4 the exercise Of Bible reading. Now, most of the time, this passage of Scripture we're going to be looking at, we focus all of our attention, especially in modern culture. We tend to focus our attention on verse number 8, but we neglect a little subtle phrase here that's found in verse number 7. Let's look at it together. First Timothy 4, verse number 7 says, "...but refuse profane and old wives' fables." All right, I get that. Profane, old wives' fables. Do you know 90% of contemporary preaching today is just a bunch of profane old wives' fables? You know what profane is. Profane is is like having one foot in the world and one foot with God. It's like straddling the fence. You know, there are preachers today that say more. They will say more in a sermon ...about pop culture, then they say... ...they'll use the Word of God to make it spiritual... ...and then the whole time they're telling stories and illustrations about pop culture. The Word of God says here, refuse that. Refuse that. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. My Bible says here, I'm supposed to exercise myself to godliness verse 8 for bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come you know i know a lot of christian men that if they spend as much time exercising themselves unto godliness as they do bodily exercise i'm telling you we'd have some we'd have some champions for jesus christ today Man, we'd have some David killing Goliath people. We'd have some of those mighty men of valor because they would be full of the Holy Ghost and full of the Word of God. There's never been a time, I believe, in the history of this country where the pulpits have been filled with people that are more Bible ignorant than they are today. I'm telling you, I, sometimes these modern preachers, they just make me want to barf. Seriously, they get up in their skinny jeans with all these rips in them. And they want to show off their biceps and have that t-shirt that's like two sizes too small. I would do that, but I wouldn't want to distract you. (laughs) And they're up there preaching the word of God, trying to look hip and cool. I'm telling you, it makes me sick. And it ought to make you sick as well. Because it's just take, it's profane is what it is. We're supposed to refuse that. We're supposed to exercise ourselves rather unto godliness. I guarantee you, if more of these contemporary preachers would spend as much time working on their heart as they do their biceps, then God, they wouldn't be preaching the way that they're preaching. Now, when it comes to the word exercise, In modern culture, I don't think I need to spend a whole lot of time giving a definition of what exercise is. And I know there's a lot of different things that exercise can mean, and it's going to be slightly different from one person's perspective to the other. Sometimes the word exercise, when it's just mentioned, some of you cringe. No, I don't want anything to do with exercise. And then others, it's just like, yeah, preacher, we know we need to... Everybody's got a different perspective. But we all know that exercise is something that we do, it's intentional. We know that it's repeated effort with a particular goal or training in mind. You know, a lot of times when it comes to exercise, we have to have incentives, right? We have incentives before us. We want to track our progress. We want to make sure that we're doing some good. You know, we are starting our fourth week of our Traction Challenge here for this fall uh, here at Temple Baptist Church, and I can't speak for you. I have enjoyed watching some of you get excited about it. I know I've been excited about it. I've been experiencing some benefit of just that added focus and that accountability. I've been enjoying it. I have felt like that my own personal Bible reading has been elevated to a level that it hasn't been there for quite some time, and I'm finding out something that I should have remembered all along, that it has a powerful effect, a powerful effect. I've heard people it's come back to me. I haven't heard it personally. They usually don't say that around the preacher, but I've heard just little bits and pieces that somebody will make a remark about somebody doing something in the traction challenge and they'll go, oh, they're just doing that for a duck. (laughs) Like they don't have the right motive, so they shouldn't even be doing it. Well... I like what John Tyner said years ago. He said, I like the way I'm doing it better than the way you're not doing it. You know what that is? Well, they're just doing it for a duck. What are you not doing it for? Get it? Most people that are like that, they're just like, well, you're doing something That I'm not doing and so I've just got to attack your motives so I don't feel inferior to you. You know what, that's just a bunch of pride and a bunch of stinking flesh. That's all it is. Traction chat. Listen, you are looking at the least gimmicky promotional type preacher probably in the country. I'm not into methodology, and I'm not into programs, and I'm not into gimmicks to try to get people to do the right thing. But I do believe that we're supposed to exercise ourselves unto godliness. And just in case you question the motives behind this, the motives are scriptural. This is one of them right here. And the hope is that if you'll jump on board and have some fun with it have a little competition try to help out your team try to support spencer and zoe and as they lead these teams and try to support your pastor you know what you might find you might find that in doing this i realize now that wow this was good for me this encouraged me All this extra Bible reading, it affected me in a positive way. I went and I made some visits. And, you know, some of you haven't ever visited someone for outreach purposes. Some of you have never just thought that, hey, part of my responsibility as a Christian is try to reach other people and get them to Jesus Christ, get them into the house of God where they can hear the word of God. And this might just spur you on or motivate you to go do it and then the Holy Spirit's going to give you that sense of satisfaction of, wow, I just did something that inherently as a believer, I know it's right and I was supposed to do it. Why wasn't I doing it before? It might just give you some joy in doing it. Ease that guilt that you've been Pushing aside and making excuses for and justifying your lack of obedience to the Lord. And it just might give you some momentum that, hey, this way of Christian living, of outreach and preparing for Sunday school and spending some time reviewing the Sunday school lesson with my kids and making it a family thing, memorizing a verse of Scripture... All of these things, you might just find that it will give you some traction, and once you start getting that traction and momentum, you might say, hey, this is a pretty good way to live. I think I'm going to keep doing this. That's certainly the way that I'm looking at it. Do you want to know how to consistently read the Bible? Well, first of all, number one, establish a time and a place. I heard a preacher say this, no Bible, no breakfast. Well, some of you aren't morning people. I know that. I'm a morning person. I like to do most of my devotional time, my reading in the mornings. My wife, she's not so much of a morning person. She likes to do her reading in the evening. So if you're not a no Bible, no breakfast person, maybe you should be a no scripture, no sleep person. I'm not going to go to bed until I've read my Bible. Or maybe you're one of these people that you should say, no reading, no recreation. Maybe you should be a no reading, no recreation parent and say to your children when it's time they want to go do something fun, have you read your Bible yet? Oh. I know what, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, I just don't want my children to resent the Bible. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I'm sure that the Lord would say to you, that's being a good parent. You know, let them go play sports and neglect my word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think the Lord's going to buy that. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job was a perfect man, astute evil. I mean, God said that about him to the devil. If God says it about you, it's true. And one of the things that Job had going for him is that he valued the Bible more than he did mealtime. Number two, try using a Bible reading calendar or some type of a system. If you want to read the Bible faithfully or consistently, then have some type of a system. Set a goal and track your progress you know, there's different systems. We have two different ones that we provide. There's a Bible reading calendar, and then there's the kind where you can go Genesis to Revelation and just read from cover to cover systematically, but it has little check boxes where you can check it off and you can keep track of where you are. The other one, the Bible reading calendar, is for people that maybe it doesn't matter to you whether you're going through it from cover to cover this way, but You have a little bit of variety in your spiritual meal. You read a few chapters from the Old Testament. You read a chapter from the New Testament. You read a portion of Psalms. You read a proverb for the day. And you're getting a balanced diet. I I like that variety personally because sometimes I get bogged down in some of those portions of Scripture. Chronicles. Even some of the prophets, I, I've been reading this past week, I've been in the prophets and the minor prophets, and you know what I'll do is I'll take a break and I'll go to the New Testament, and or I'll, I'll read five chapters of Psalms just to get a variety, something that speaks to my heart, because sometimes, listen, you, you just read all of your time in the prophets and the minor prophets, and it's kind of discouraging, I mean, 90% of what they say is just pronouncing doom upon Israel or on Egypt or on Moab or on Edom or on Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, it's just doom, doom, doom. Well, I'll be reading through the the prophets and the minor prophets, and it's just like judgment, judgment, judgment. And then the Holy Spirit will just throw that verse about something good that God's going to do in the end, and it's just kind of like that. Hallelujah chorus. It's kind of like I heard a preacher years ago. This was a great man of God. And he had this cadence in his preaching. He was this, he was a southern hacker kind of preaching. I, I don't think we've had many hackers, but like every syllable that they would say, there's a, after every syllable. And for me, I didn't grow up with that. I wasn't used to it. And so he was a visiting preacher and he would just be preaching for 30 minutes. And and it's just like you could just feel that just kind of that grind. Ah, ah, ah. If you like that preacher, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying for me that just I, I I'm oh but then he'd get to the end of his sermon. He'd get all of his points and all of his hacking out. And then he'd just start talking in a voice like this. And it's almost like it would set you up. And when he'd start talking in that sweet, calm voice, it's like, boom, he had you. And I didn't get anything out of the body of the sermon. But those final five minutes, it's like, wow, you talk about powerful, powerful preaching. I think sometimes maybe the prophets and the minor prophets are like that. They just set you up with all this abrasive judgment upon all these different people and nations, and then God will just throw in that little message of hope. And boy, it's so sweet when you read that and you realize that all of this bad stuff, God's going to make it perfect when it's all said and done. Use a Bible reading calendar or system, track your progress. Uh, Number three, consider using a Bible audio app if you have uh, ADD, attention deficit disorder, or if you have a reading disorder. Consider reading along with an audio Bible app while you're listening to someone who's reading that portion of Scripture, and just let your eyes follow along and read it as you go. I know many people that they have been benefited by that and have been able to consistently read the Bible, get things out of the Bible that they wouldn't otherwise. Now, if that's you, and I think that more and more today people have attention deficit disorder, not because it's Genetic or inherent, but because of the culture that we live in. This this day and age, it produces attention deficit disorder. And I would say to uh, any of you that if you feel like, hey, that's me, then try to stretch yourself a little bit. Train yourself. Like, for instance, if you're going to read ten chapters, try listening to nine and then reading one without the audio. And do that for a week or a month. And then maybe the next week or the next month say, okay, I'm going to listen and read along with eight and I'm going to read two without the audio. And maybe over weeks or months or even years, you might find yourself that, hey, I have retrained my mind and I don't feel overwhelmed. I don't feel like that When I'm reading the scripture, it's just all just words blending together. You might just be able to stretch yourself and retrain your mind to stay calm and to comprehend and to stay focused on what you're reading. Number four, have some basic Bible study tools, a concordance, a good Bible dictionary, a good Bible encyclopedia. Some good commentaries, not just any commentary, but a good commentary, maybe a Bible app. I use a program on my laptop computer called Sword Searcher, and I highly recommend Sword Searcher. It has access to commentaries. It has access, you can scroll over a portion of Scripture, and you can actually go to Webster's 1828 for that word definition. It'll give you cross-references everywhere that that word appears in the Bible. You can go over to commentaries, and it'll show a commentary on that verse. And you can just put your cursor over a Scripture reference, and the little window will pop up that tells you what that verse actually has to say. I have found that a tremendously valuable tool in Bible study. Number five, consider keeping a notebook. And tracking as you read the Bible, look for something that speaks to your heart, maybe a journal or a notebook, and just write that down. Or consider using, uh, and I would say judiciously, use underlining and highlighting. I I know preachers. I've heard them talk about it. I think Brother Ben's one of them that has a color code system for all of their highlighting in the Bible. I, I'm not that structured in that. I just whatever highlighter I've got. And so, and but I do try to underline judiciously. Very seldom will you find me as I'm preaching tell you to underline that in the Bible. I I was listening to a preacher and I've always tried to be judicious because if you highlight or underline too much, then it's not highlighted. It's just your whole, you just look at this. I mean, I've got some highlighted text right there. But I can look at that, and I know that, hey, this is a portion that is important, and it's going to draw my attention. I'm not going to have to glean through. If most of it's highlighted, then it's not serving that function. So I try to be judicious, and I heard a preacher was preaching years ago, and he goes, I want you to underline this in your Bible, and I'm sitting there, and I go, I'm not doing it. Because it's like, okay, I I get that you want me to underline this, but you know what? It's just, I see it. I know where this passage is. It's not necessary for me to highlight it, so I'm not being rebellious, but it's my Bible. So every now and then I'll tell you that I recommend you to underline it, but I'm not going to tell you to do that because you need to be judicious in your own way with that. But... As you think about a notebook, a journal, underlining and highlighting, here's the most important thing that I want to say about this point, is learn how to capture things out of the Bible. What do I mean by that? I mean, learn to make them your own. Have some things here in the Bible that I read it, and God spoke to my heart, or God taught me something, God corrected something in my life. Take, and as you read the Bible, make it your own. Make it personal. When you do that, it will promote more Bible reading. You will search for it as silver. You will treat it as that sweet honey that you just can't wait to sit down and enjoy that spiritual meal. Number six, look for something in your Bible uh, as you read it each day, to meditate on throughout the day, something to pray about. I shared in Sunday school that our memory verse for this past week was Daniel 4.37. And oh, how I have just meditated on that and thought about that all this week, about how Nebuchadnezzar came to that conclusion where he said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven. I mean, he went through seven years of acting like a beast out there in the field, eating hay from the field. And I mean, he is, he had the dew of heaven on him and his hair was like feathers of a bird and his nails were all, what a sight that must have been to just see this maniac out there groveling around like an, like a beast in the field. He lived that way for seven years until God gave him his heart back. He said that those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Nebuchadnezzar knew what he was talking about. I don't want to get to the end of my life. And you know know, there is a possibility that when we get to heaven, Nebuchadnezzar will be there. I don't want to waste all my life groveling around like a beast or acting like an idiot saying oh look at what I've done this great Nebuchadnezzar he had to learn that you know what God's able to abase you took him to the last year of his life to learn how to humble himself before God don't wait that long Humble yourself now. I've thought about that, meditated upon that all week, and it's been such a blessing. Pray about these things. And then, as I've already said here, number seven, have a memory verse for the week. But the bottom line in all of these things that I'm saying this morning is have a custom, have a habit, have an expectation. In Luke 4, 16, it says this about Jesus. As his custom was... He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Jesus had a custom when it came to the Scripture, the Bible. You and I, as his disciples, we ought to have a custom, a habit, and an expectation as well. My final point here this morning, number three, is I want to talk to you about the power of Bible reading. I've already given you in point number one reasons to read the Bible, and those are certainly some powerful reasons for sanctification, for faith, for cleansing, for all of these things, for wisdom and guidance. But this is something I want to give you in this point that is an actual survey. Some modern facts, if you will. There was a group of people... Uh, The Center for Bible Engagement, this is an organization that is affiliated with Our Daily Bread. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the little devotional, Our Daily Bread. Uh, The Center for Bible Engagement surveyed 40,000 people about Bible reading, and this is what their conclusions were. People who spent time in the Bible a minimum of four times per week four times per week minimum and that is reading the bible reading and listening to the bible this these are the results of spending four minimum of four times a week four days a week in the bible you ready for this this is going to this is going to knock your socks off feeling lonely drop 30% anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships, and this is marriage, children relationships, parent-child, child-parent, dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Now this next one's a big one because we see this all around us. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Less likely to view pornography, 59%. Sharing your faith, witnessing to others, increased 228%. And the likelihood of memorizing a verse of Scripture each week raised 407%. If you just spent a minimum of four days per week, in the Word of God. I don't know about you folks, but that survey, it hits the nail on the head. Why are so many of God's people over medicated? Being treated for. Listen, I always have to preface this. I understand there are clinical reasons for depression and anxiety. I'm not a physician, I don't know what your blood work showed, I don't know all about that, but I am a firm believer that the, there is so much, it is rampant today, not because of physiological reasons, but because of this reason right here. Anxiety, depression, loneliness. You go to a physician and he says, well, here's your prescription, take these pills, they don't even know what they don't they don't bother to tell you what the potential side effects could be i believe that there are there are medicines chemicals that are being ingested in our bodies that the long term effect they don't even know how it affects you and we're so willing to accept the authority of a physician who has md next to his name He says, I should take this pill, then I take this pill. And God, the great physician, is saying that, hey, a lot of your problems will be taken care of if you'll just be a faithful, consistent Bible reader. This book right here will affect your spirit. It'll affect your mind. It will do so many wonderful things if you'll just, by faith, trust it and believe it. So in conclusion, how should we respond to the Bible? How should we respond to this message about the Bible? In 1 Samuel 3, verse number 1, it says that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. That is Samuel's day. Samuel was just a young child, and he grew up. I mean, Eli was the priest, and the nation of Israel was in a very... Dark time, the times of the judges, every man was doing that which was right in their own eyes. You had spiritual and moral dysfunction on every hand. And here the priest is not even being faithful. He's got his sons who are priests under him and they're laying with women at the door of the tabernacle committing fornication. And he's not, he's just saying, now boys don't do that. He's playing Barney Fife. Remember the episode? called The Big House, when the, the those notable criminals kept escaping. Barney kept letting them out of the jail, and Andy showed up. He said, Barney, why do you keep letting them out? And Barney's like, I told them not to. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that works. Well, that's what Eli, the priest, is doing. And because of that, the man that's supposed to be representing God, God says that there's no open vision. The Word of God was precious in those days. Hey, I believe that we're living in a time in America where preachers that are standing up and literally preaching the Word of God, the Word of God's getting more and more precious in America today. Amos chapter 8, verse number 11, God says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Do you know this same, uh, this center for Bible engagement? They also, in this survey, not only they saw clearly the positive effects of being in the Bible four times a week, they also found out that literally of all the population, only one out of ten said that they read the Bible at all. Among believers, you'd say, well, that's just the general population. Among those who profess Christianity today... This survey took place this year, by the way. Only two out of every ten twenty percent of the Christian population spend any significant time in the Bible. I guess if I was a scientist, I would say light bulb it 's all crystal clear it 's all clicking." Why do we struggle today? Why is there no revival? Why is there no power? Because we've got the power right here, but we neglect it. We undervalue it. We value so many things, so much more than the Bible. 1 Peter 2, verse number 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Here's what you can do as far as responding to the message here today. Number one, you can disagree with all that has been said and ignore it. Number two, you can agree with what's been said here today and ignore it. Or number three, you can agree, acknowledge it, and make a commitment and do something about it. Not be a hearer of the word only, deceiving yourself, but rather be a doer of the word and say, I need to get into the Bible consistently. I need to make it more important to me than anything else in my daily schedule. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't understand what I'm reading. I don't know what to do. And all of these excuses, and maybe you just need to just say, I got to get on it, and I got to start spending more time daily and consistently in the Word of God we had a Sunday school lesson a couple weeks ago. Daniel and Hananiah and Michelle and Azariah, they were put to the test. And for three years, for three years, they ate pults. I mean, that would be kind of like lentils just all smashed up, no spice or nothing, just pults. And they were offered all of the king's meats and all of the king's table. They could have had... When we were in Charleston last week, we went to a couple of restaurants. And it's like, wow. I mean, they brought out a plate of food that could have... I mean, I could have ate three meals, but I didn't. I ate it all. It was so good. And I mean, we rolled out of that place. And it's like, wow, that tasted so good. Daniel and his three friends could have had that as much as they wanted, but they said, no... For three years, we're just going to eat plain, simple food. And the Bible says that at the end of those three years, that they were way healthier and way wiser. Everything about them was superior to all of the people who said, well, we're just going to go with the flow and do what everybody else is doing. You're going to have to get to that point and purpose in your heart and make a commitment that, hey, the Bible is the Word of God. And I need to make it that important. We were driving <laughs> several times here in the last year. Uh, two different times we were driving on I-77. And if you've ever, we were we were a good hundred feet back from a dump truck. And it's up ahead. I wasn't following too close. But I looked and I saw, you. You've, you probably had it happen before. Something came out of the dump truck and it started bouncing on the interstate bounce, bounce, bounce. I had cars around me and it's just headed right for the windshield and sure enough, boom, hits the windshield. Got a big crack there. Well, or it had one, a little chip. Well, it wasn't in a spot that was too annoying so I thought I'm going to call. I'm going to get that taken care of here eventually and I just put it off and I put it off. Well, we're on I-77 and lo and behold, I guess it's slung out of another car's tire or something. Don't know where it came from. Boom, another rock hits, and it caused a big crack. So it's time to replace the windshield. So we get the insurance company on. They get the windshield replaced. Bunch of hassle. They got taken care of. Then, just a few weeks later, we're driving down the interstate, and the back window behind me, I'm driving. The back window shatters. Something hit it. And I mean, that's not safety glass like a windshield. It just boom. And I'm, my wife's here and I go, what was that? Because I mean, I hear it around my head and what what is that? And sure enough, that whole windshield or that side window was shattered. So we go through the hassle, have to get a, you know, I'm thinking the insurance company is going to think, what is wrong with this guy? A month later, we're driving down the interstate. A rock hits the windshield, and my wife is here. It's like she can't believe it. We laugh about this. I think we're going to laugh about this for the rest of our life. That that chip, that rock hits that, and instantly you see the chip right in the middle of the windshield, and she goes, "No, no, no!" And I'm like, I'm like laughing. I said, "What are you going to will this not to happen?" But well, we adopted that that saying. No, no, no. You know what you and I ought to do when the devil says, you don't have time to read your Bible today, or he offers some other kind of excuse? We ought to just say, no, no, no. It's the Word of God. It's my lifeline. It feeds my spirit. It feeds my soul. It is my fellowship. It is my communication with my Savior. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Is it the book for you?